Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Crossing Church. How are you doing this fine day? You doing good? I'm doing good. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I'm doing so well is because of the song that we just sang, and because it's so true that I do, and you do see the evidence of God's goodness all over your life. We see it together all over our lives. And I'm just so thankful that we serve a God who loves us to that extent, to the fullest extent of his love, and he'll never love us any less than that. As a matter of fact, everything we know about love, we learned from him. It was something that he placed inside of us. Isn't that wonderful to know that? He's such a good God. So I'm glad that we have the opportunity to be together. Everyone that's joining us from uh, all the locations in our region, so thankful for each and every one of you. And if you are inside, love you, praying for you, and uh, online, thankful for each and every one of you as well. And it's so great to be in God's word together. And today we're gonna go down into the deep end of the pool, all right? So some of you that are used to the kiddie pool, we're going a little deeper into God's word, okay? Because we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't want you to be uh, pushed off by that because this is going to be some of the richest stuff. And it's just, it's such an important thing for me personally in my life and in my journey, my walk with the Lord. And I'm really excited to share it with you. So we come to church, you know, we talk about God, and that's good. We talk about the Bible, and that's that's good. And, and we talk about the, our church and the church in general, and we talk about truth, and we need that because we're living in a post-truth culture, and it's so nice to be able to have a firm place to stand in a world that really doesn't understand truth anymore. We talk about examples from God's Word, stories and illustrations, right? We talk about giving, and we talk about decisions, and we talk about serving. We talk about all sorts of really good things. We spend a lot of time talking about God and God things, but today I want to talk about you. I want to talk about you. Let's face it, we're our own favorite subject. <laughs> we really are. And some of you are like, wait a minute, that, was, that's kind, of, that, that, that kind of offends me a little bit. Well, if you question that, I want you to check out your social media content, like the stuff you post. We share our Insta stories. We share our frustrations. We share our political convictions. We share our vacation destinations. We share our kids' latest triumph. Uh, we share our workout regimen. We share our pet pictures. We share our latest multi-level marketing craze. We take pictures and share about our latest meal. Us, 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 us. But there's an us or a you that goes down deeper below all of that. There's things you really want to know. You want to know. Questions like this, who am I? How did I get here? Where am I going? Does my life have a purpose, and what is that purpose 
for my life? And is there something after this life? Is all of this church, Bible, God stuff real? And I think that most all of us right now are living life full of questions and quite frankly, full of fears. We have questions and we have fears about all sorts of things. Like, is that pain that I'm feeling an indication of something serious? Anybody have that one? How many of you become like, uh, you know, keyboard jockeys for WebMD? And then you do all this self-diagnosis and then you go down and says, well, it could be this, 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 this. So you're sure you're dying. You just don't know which one of those you know, death sentences you're actually going to get. Or you're like, what in the world is going on with my kids? They used to love me. What in the world happened, right? How am I going to make ends meet? This is really tough right now. Some of you might be experiencing that. Or my marriage is really struggling. What's the future of my married life? What if I lose my job? What I'm saying is, you know, there's questions and a lot of times fears that go along with it. There's a million of them, a million of those things. And in the middle of all that noise, and you have it, and I have it, we all have it, in the middle of all of that noise, you know what I hear? I hear a still small voice saying, Jesus loves me. God has an upper story plan for me. It's going to be okay. (laughs) But frankly, I think sometimes we have a really hard time holding on to that. Now, I know that you and me, we have moments when that feels so real. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, I hear that voice. But there are lots of other moments, right? Lots of other times when I'm not so sure where I can spin out, where I can get, as we say here at the crossing, lost in the lower story. And a deeper question I have, is there something that I can do to help me to be more consistent in that way so that I feel that confidence in the Lord more and I have less of that feeling of being out of control or spinning out? Well, the answer is very simple to hear, but it's not so easy to implement. And the answer is the thing that you've heard more at the crossing than you've heard any other thing, and that is this. You need an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's the one thing that you hear more than anything else. And you know what? It's all about God and you. And this is the part we're going to talk about, the you. When you think about it, it's a pretty big statement that God Almighty, the Ancient of Days, the Creator of the universe, the Sovereign of all existence, wants to have a relationship with you. Not mankind, not the blue marble that we call earth, you. That's a big statement. And along with that, there's questions like, does God really care about me? 
Does he really care about what I do? Can he really hear me? Can I really know him and, and hear him? And how in the world is the relationship like this supposed to work? Now, I was 20 years old when I shifted my life into ministry. And that happened because I felt the call of ministry on my heart and life. And because of that, I made adjustments. I changed colleges. I changed friends. I changed locations. I changed future plans. I literally changed everything in my life because that was what was required for me to follow that call. I was committed to follow Jesus. I was committed to serve him and to live out that call through the gifts that he had given me. Now I went to college and I graduated and I got my degree and I started out in ministry. I got married. I'd had three of my four children and I'd been in full-time ministry for 10 years before I realized that I needed to go deeper than that 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 wasn't deep enough. And not just for me, but for all of us. And this knowledge came through a class I took. And it was uh, based on a book, a workbook really, called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And it gave birth to an idea inside of me, 10 years after full-time ministry, that God wants us to have an intimate personal relationship with him. And I brought that with me to the crossing. Now, there's nothing new that you learn in experiencing God. What it actually does is it just calls your attention to the things that Jesus has already said, that God has already taught us in his word. And so when I say the deep end of the pool, we're going to be in a lot of scripture today. So I want you to hang with me. It'd be good if you, uh, you had your phone out and you took pictures of what's up on this screen or uh, writing down these scriptures because I, I feel like these things are just key to having that deeper walk, all right? So Jesus shares this in the book of John and the book of Acts. We're in this series called Crazy Faith, and, it's, and, and the part that I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. And God sent us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is how we have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus and with his Father God. I want you to see this, okay? So we're gonna, I'm gonna show you a progression of scriptures where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is going to do, all right? We're gonna start in John 14. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's about to die. He's within 24 hours of his death. And in John 14, 15 to 18, he says this, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, listen, and he will give you another advocate. This is the Holy Spirit, another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. This is that intimate personal relationship here to help us and to be with us forever. The spirit of truth, interesting, calls him the advocate and the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, so it's making a division between those who have the Holy Spirit and those who don't, right? The world, people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, they don't accept this. People who do, they do accept this. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, which means you should be able to see him and know him. But you know him 
for he lives with you and will be in you. Future will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's look at John 15, one chapter forward. Jesus still speaking. When the advocate, there's that word again, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, there's that again, who goes out from the Father, means that this Holy Spirit comes directly from God. He will testify about me. So if I want to have a relationship with Jesus that's intimate and personal, it's going to come through this catalyst of the Holy Spirit. One more, let's go one more chapter uh, to John 16. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, guide you. So he's going to be with you. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. He's going to hear you. And he's going to speak to you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Wow, you're going to know what is yet to come? He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father's mind. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now, Jesus said all of that in the context of that last night, that Passover meal, right? So now Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. He's buried. On the third day, he rises from the dead, and then he appears to his disciples. At one of those appearances, it's related in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, listen to what he says. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which is the Holy Spirit, which you have heard, from me, heard me speak about. We just did. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They changed the subject. Jesus brings it back. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power. So this relationship with Jesus Christ that comes through the Holy Spirit is a power relationship. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes up on you and you'll be my witnesses power and you'll be sharing your story in Jerusalem in all Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth now after Jesus says this he ascends into heaven and the apostles go back into Jerusalem and they wait in an upper room for 10 days and 10 days later is the day of Pentecost it's a feast day in Jerusalem. So there's people, they're Jews from all over the world there. And they're in this upper room and this amazing thing happens. You can read it in Acts chapter two. And when that happens, they go out into the street, actually to the Southern steps of the Temple Mount area. And Simon Peter stands up and delivers this sermon, the very first sermon of the, of the church. And the very end of the sermon is an invitation Listen to his invitation. It's in Acts 2, 36 to 39. 
Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Listen, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the first time that there's going to be an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's gonna come through the Holy Spirit. And who's it for? Some of you might go, well, maybe this is just an apostolic thing, or maybe this is just an in the moment thing. No, listen to what it says in 39. The promise is for you, your children, for all who are far off, and for all whom the Lord our God will call. That means it's for everybody. And that includes you. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, and he sent the Holy Spirit not just to come upon people, but to indwell them, to live inside of them. So when you say things like, I've invited Jesus to come into my heart, literally, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. When you pray and you, th- you think, well, Jesus said this to me, or God, I feel like God is, is trying to communicate this to me, you're literally talking about the Holy Spirit. So I want to get down into the specifics of this, all right? Because this is how crazy faith works. It works through the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to share seven realities, and these are so critical. Seven realities about you and your relationship to the Holy Spirit. Remember, I said this sermon's about you. So I don't want you to be thinking about anybody else, just you. Ready? Number one, God is is always at work around you. Do you know that? Doesn't matter if you're joining him or not. Doesn't matter if you're working with him or not. God is at work all around you, all the time. Never stops, 24-7, day and night, never sleeps. He's at work around you. How do I know that? Jesus told me that. He said it in John chapter 5, verse 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So understand that the work of the kingdom of God is happening around us all the time. And for you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, an intimate personal relationship with Jesus that comes through the Holy Spirit, that's the first thing you got to know. He's at work. He didn't take in a day off. He's not on vacation. He's at work. Number two, God wants and initiates, this is an important word, initiates an intimate, personal relationship with you. Everything we do as a believer is a response because it's always God who initiates everything. All right? You think think that you initiate things? No. No. When it comes to your, your faith, it is you recognize that he loved you. Before you were born, God loved you. Before you were born, Jesus loved you. Before you were born, God had a plan for your life, an upper story plan. He knew you before you existed. 
okay? And he wants to have an intimate personal relationship with you. And, and the fact that you've sinned and I've sinned doesn't change that even a tiny bit. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The apostle Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, his love for us. Look at who initiates. While we were still sinners, we didn't care anything about God. Christ died for us. Jesus paid the debt for our sin that we didn't even know we had before we even committed it. Before we ever committed a single sin, he'd already paid the debt. So what do we know? God is at work. God wants to have an intimate personal relationship that he initiates with you. And then number three, God invites you to join him, not in your work, but in his work. You want to know where you experience God, where you understand the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, where you hear God speak to you? It happens when you join him in his work. So if you want to say, hey, I just want to have this relationship with him, but I really don't want to do anything with him, that's kind of ludicrous, right? Because this is where that happens. It happens when you join him in his work. How do I know that? Well, Paul told me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. He created me this way. We we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which who prepared? Because God's always at work, which God prepared. And he prepared them in advance for us to do. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So he invites you to be a part of this great thing that he's doing. He's at work. He wants an intimate personal relationship with you. And I invite you to be a part of that work. Number four. This is where it gets really good. God speaks to you, revealing himself, his purposes, and his ways. Well, so you're telling me that, Jerry, you know, you, you, know, you hear God like, yeah, the, you know, you really think that God speaks? Let me ask you a question. Who made your mouth? Who created language? Who was the one that invented all the forms of communication that we actually have? And you're telling me that the God who created all of this is deaf and mute? That he can't speak? Oh, God can speak just fine. The question isn't whether or not God is speaking. The, God, the question is whether or not you can hear him. Right? Let's look at a couple of scriptures. John 16, 13 to 14. We just read this. But when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will what? He will not speak on his own. What will he do? Speak only what he hears. In other words, the Holy Spirit speaks, right? And he'll tell you. That means he speaks, tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Let's look at John 8, 47. 
Whoever belongs to God, what's that say? Here's what God says. So if God doesn't speak, how in the world can this be true? The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. How can I hear God? Well, let me give you four ways that, that you'll agree with me 100% you can hear God. Does God speak through his word, the Bible? Yes or no? Yes. All right, so when you read the word of God, is that God speaking to you? So does God speak? Yeah, and so I get in God's word. I have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 that the things of God's word are spiritually discerned and understood. So when I read the word of God, then God catalyzes that with the Holy Spirit living in me, and I am having a conversation with Almighty God when I'm in his word. Maybe the reason you don't hear God is you're not in his word. Let me ask you this question. Does, does God ever speak through what happens in the body of Christ? I've always said that the best sermons that you hear are the ones you actually don't hear, right? It's like, it's like me or Clayton or somebody will, will say something and then all of a sudden you just totally off-ramp. And, and you're thinking about all kinds of things and you're not even listening to me anymore. You know why? Because you were in a conversation with the Holy Spirit and you don't even know it. He's talking to you. He's revealing things to you. And it's coming through the sermon or it's coming through that, that little piece of music we just sang or it's coming through the communion that you just participated in. or it's You know, you don't know, but he speaks through that. How many of you have experienced God through circumstances. Like there was a circumstance that happened to you and you went, that wasn't a coincidence. That is one of the most anti-faith words there is. Or luck. That's another anti-faith word. It's because God worked through the circumstances. God works through his people he works through circumstances, he works through his word, and he speaks through all of them. And how many of you have ever experienced an answer to prayer? You prayed for something, and God answered it. God spoke through prayer, right? And I'm not saying that God couldn't just talk to you. He can do whatever he wants. But the fact is that God is speaking to you in all these other ways all the time. And the question isn't whether or not God's speaking. The question is whether or not you're listening. So God's at work. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to join him in that work. And in the context of that work, he will speak to you. And now it gets hard. Ready? Put on your big girl and your big boy pants because it's going to get hard. Because God's invitation to join him will, and that's a big word, big letters, will always lead to a crisis of belief. What's a crisis of belief? It's where you come to a fork in the road and God is inviting you to join him. But if you do, it's not going to be easy. Like, here's the road I'm used to traveling, and I'm so comfortable with that, and everything makes sense, and I know all the rules. And then God goes, nope, I want you to go this way. 
That's the crisis of belief. And that's where a lot of us fail. But it always, because I don't know who in here would be so pompous and so arrogant and so self-centered to actually believe, so self-righteous to actually believe that they are already a finished work, that God has all done with you because you're just like, you're just Jesus. I mean, you're just great. Nobody would dare to say that that there's always improvement that can be made. But how does improvement happen without change? And how does change happen unless God brings you to a crisis of belief where you don't do the same thing? And this is where the Holy Spirit lets you know. He lets you know what God wants you to do. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Clayton talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So that's what faith is. But if you read the rest of the chapter, it's all these illustrations and stories of people who did what they did, wild, crazy things because of their faith. And what you find is that every single one of those was in a crisis of belief. And they made a choice. Every example is an illustration of it. And what we learn from Hebrews chapter 11 is how you respond at the crisis of belief, and you'll all face it, it'll actually determine what, it, how, what you really believe about God. It really measures your faith. Is your faith in Him or is your faith in you? Because the crisis of belief shows you that. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been there. Maybe you're in one right now. Number six, you will have to make adjustments to your life to join him. Yeah, there's no way that you can grow in your faith and stay the same. If you're going to grow in your faith, you're going to have to make adjustments. In Luke 9, listen to what Jesus said. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. What's Jesus saying? Obedience requires adjustments. And those adjustments are the way that we surrender to God. And number seven, you come to know him by this experience. You want to know how to have an intimate personal relationship with, with God, with Jesus Christ, this is how you do it. You come to know him. So it's all about the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God... I am what I am. You see that? The Apostle Paul is saying that it was all those crises of belief that made him who he was, that determined his identity, that God was changing it. And his grace to me was not without effect. You see, that's what you don't want. You don't want to say, I've been a believer all my life, but I didn't change a bit because that means your faith was without effect. You want your faith to have the effect of making you more like him and less like you. He says, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Look at Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Life's a journey. We all know this. We walk down this road, and every time we walk down this road, we come to these forks in the road, these, these moments of crisis of belief. And what we do in that moment is going to determine what we actually believe about God. But if we make the decision to follow the Lord and to listen to the Lord and to join him in his work, we can get on the other side of that. And guess what we can do? We can put down a spiritual marker. This is where I trusted him and not me. And we go down a little further and there's another fork in the road and we put down a spiritual marker. And I'll tell you what, the longer you live your life as a believer, you can look behind you and you can see a long line of spiritual markers that got you here. And every one of them is placed at a crisis of belief. I want to be really transparent here. This is not something that I've arrived at. It's a road that Allison and I have been on for the last 30 years. And it's the rhythm that God wants us to have in life. And I, I'm just like you. I'm totally inconsistent at it. There's been lots of times I come to the crisis of belief and I say no to God. And I don't get to put a spiritual marker down. You there too? I know you are. Everybody's there. And I want you to know, it doesn't matter how far you've come in your faith or how long you've been in a relationship with God, you can go further and deeper than you ever have before. This is really important, obviously. The mission of the crossing is built around this concept. And Alice and I, in the fall, we're going to virtually teach this. Starting the beginning of fall, you can be a part of it. There'll be more information that'll be coming on that. But let me tell you something, it's going to take commitment and consistency because it's not an easy study. Uh, because of those two hard things, commitment and consistency, we're not very good at either one. But it's also going to give you a richness in your faith that you never thought possible. And I want to encourage you to consider that. Listen, you have an opportunity in your life to get closer to God than you could have ever imagined. He's given you everything you need for that. To walk with the Holy Spirit, to join him in his work, to quit asking him, God, what is your will for my life? That's a dumb question. You just need to say, God, what is your will? And then look at it and then join him. It isn't about you. But it's in that place where it's not about you, where he reveals everything about you. And you'll experience a richness that you never thought possible in your faith. And I want all of you to be able to understand that. I want you to consider that as we move to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.